1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. We began on Monday getting reaction from the Zoomer squad about the latest plan by Premier Doug Ford. His governing PCs have announced a proposal to divert more procedures and surgeries to private clinics, which would be paid for with public money. The idea is to relieve the backlogs in hospitals, and it will begin with cataract surgeries, which is a procedure that has one of the longest wait times. Initially, this will add 14,000 cataract procedures in Windsor, Kitchener-Waterloo, and Ottawa. And then later, there will be more MRI and CT scans offered in private clinics under OHIP, followed by hip and knee replacements next year. Bill Van Gorder is Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP. And
2: Anthony Quinn is CARP's Chief Community Officer. I'm not certain where all of the cataract surgeries are done, but they've indicated that Windsor, Kitchener, Waterloo and Ottawa are the places where there are the highest need right now. So that likely makes sense to focus there to start with, with more uh, investment coming later on.
3: These clinics are already here. Like we heard a lot of rumors and they may come to pass later about bringing in Americans, uh, with surgical clinics, which really makes me nervous. But these clinics are here and the, the doctors there, like that's all they do. So that's good. But, um, on the other hand, there have been lots of complaints about being upsold in those clinics. And, and I think sometimes very aggressively.
4: That's certainly, uh, you know, the consumer protection. Uh, concern around this whole issue is one that really needs to be looked at and and investigated uh, uh, separately. Uh, it's so so easy for people to feel vulnerable uh, when they're in that situation, and and what do they base the decision on? They're talking to someone who's supposed to be the expert in that area, who's advising that they should they should have something that is not is not covered. The real question is uh, why is the government not covering the best available uh, uh to the the people who who need it and if it's not the best available if they're being uh, upsold then why uh and why why is it not covered that's the that's the key question
3: well um you know i guess the government thought is that it can't i mean there's more things to cover every day. It can't have the Cadillac that uh, you're going to perhaps get a Toyota. So... I, don't, I mean, I but, don't. But if I don't you're, know. If you're
4: being told you won't have uh, you won't have as good eyesight if you don't uh, if you don't do what you're being suggested to do, then
3: well, what then, did you get, Bill, oh, I, in the hospital? You had your cataracts.
4: I did, and I and in the hospital, and and I got the the uh, uh, the best that was available at that. And uh, you paid? at that time. And, uh, and did you pay extra? No, no, not 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 in Nova Scotia. I didn't pay. No, I did not pay.
3: I bought glasses, right? And I could get glasses, as you could, with certain kind of lenses that are perfectly good, or I could pay an extra few hundred dollars for the super-duper, I forget, Xylus, Zeiss, whatever they were, and I can afford it. So I did.
2: The, but The yeah. Eye Physicians of Ontario, they, they state that these... The Ontario pays for all of the insured services that are medically necessary. So you can improve your eyesight through getting the basic treatment, and everything else is not funded by the province. That's not considered medically necessary. So I think Bill's point is that uh, medically necessary should should notionally be the best available, and not the the lowest the lowest level.
3: That doesn't cut to the issue of upselling. Or in the case with some of, you know, the Schuldeis Clinic, right, the surgery is covered, but you've got to stay overnight? Well, you've got to cough up for that.
2: Yeah, you're not getting out of there without without an out-of-pocket bill. Right. But, but I took away from from the Premier's discussion this morning was he said the status quo is not acceptable. And I think Ontarians understand that, and that's something that CARP has been saying for how long, uh, Bill, but... I'm, I'm glad to see that they're taking some steps. They've said that they will release new legislation in February and we'll have a chance to see what those details are and, and hold them accountable uh, based on that legislation. But I think we all understand that the wait lists are too long uh, and especially our demographic, the, the promises of increases to MRIs and hip, knee and foot surgeries is something that's long overdue and, and long been demanded.
1: Anthony Quinn, Chief Community Officer at CARP, and Bill Van Gorder, CARP's Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. As we've been discussing, there are some serious objections to the Ford government plan to provide some surgeries and procedures in private health clinics, notably around the issue of staffing and upselling. To speak to these issues, Libby was joined on Monday by Dr. Andrew Buzari, Primary Care Physician and Executive Director of Population Health and Social Medicine at the University Health Network, and Dr. Doris Grinspun, CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario.
5: We are hugely concerned. We are concerned about uh, the fact that for profit delivery always has ended up in in longer wait times, not better situation for Ontarians. Where is the premier and the minister going to find the nurses or are they not going to put nurses even in these for-profit clinics? Uh, That's a possibility too and then the safety of the patients Uh, will be at risk. They also spoke about taking the easy patients, the non-complex patients, meaning the hospitals, We'll have more and more complex patients when we don't have the staff even to attend to them now. Uh,
3: Dr. Buzari, in terms of cataract surgery, you know, I, I've been trying to find out how much of this already happens in private clinics. And just uh, in terms of people I know, I I in Toronto, I think most of them are done in private clinics. Am I wrong?
6: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely in terms of, I think it's important to, to delineate between the, the private and the for-profit and non-profit. It's, it's definitely clear that there is currently, it is not untrue that there are private independent health facilities and cataract clinics, uh, but I do think it's important to look at the Auditor General's own report on these private and for-profit uh, cataract surgery uh, clinics and facilities actually uh having practices of upselling and different costs that have been costing uh, the Ontario government and essentially the public dollar, so definitely they're they're currently in place uh the decision though to expand and double down on sort of a for profit delivery model as Dr. Grinsman has mentioned uh, again, I
5: think the evidence on this is really wanting mhm and uh, levy, if I go. may add the premier today. They're brilliant on communications, let me say this. He was not after the the cataract surgeries. What he did in this press conference today, he already normalized the idea of hip and knee replacements. That's unconscionable. He also went for the cataract clinic on a not-for-profit clinic without saying it until one reporter pointed it out. So they are brilliant communicators, but the public is being cheated on all
3: of Devils. Dr. Buzari, where does this leave us? Uh, Do you think there's any room for any kind of modification of this plan and the plans going forward?
6: Yeah, again, I mean, I I don't have any inside information or knowledge in terms of what the likelihood is of any any change of this. I think that what's really important, however, is that if this is the direction that the government is willing to go, that there is you know, a a real engagement with uh, both the CPSO, with public hospitals in terms of the quality provisions and protections that need to be in place, and also ensuring that we are in line uh, with the Canada Health Act, as we've seen uh, creep from uh, other provinces on this issue. So I think those are really important aspects. Uh, I think that if we don't ensure that those provisions are in place, uh, again, when you look at the litany of evidence It is a worsening health outcomes and actually not the cost savings uh, that have been um, purported elsewhere. So I think those are pieces where I think there needs to continue to be that kind of uh, push and that hopeful partnership and collaboration with uh, the actual
5: quality provisions that need to be in place. And, And of course, the Premier spoke, um, the media didn't go after it, but the, the Premier spoke about legislation coming in February. That is next month legislation such as allowing this this um, expansion of for profit care number one needs to prohibit prohibit charging extras it needs to prohibit overnight because that's against the Canada Health Act and it needs to have full full public dialogue and organizational dialogue, not just calling the evening before. Let me tell you, is that what the Premier meant by let's get it done? Well, no one gave him the mandate because no one knew what he was after.
1: Dr. Doris Grinspun, CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, and Dr. Andrew Buzari, primary care physician and executive director of population health and social medicine at the University Health Network. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, our recovering politicians weigh in on public care in private clinics.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back.
1: Our recovering politicians were among the guests this week, reacting to the plan by the Ford PCs to give public money to private health care clinics for some procedures and surgeries, starting first with cataracts. At Queen's Park, the New Democrats and Liberals are opposed, but our former liberal politician on the panel is not against the idea George Smitherman was an Ontario Liberal Health Minister. Libby asked him first about the plan, followed by former Ontario PC Cabinet Minister Janet Ecker and former NDP MPP Peggy Nash.
7: Firstly, for those that say there's no room for governments to reform within the constraints of the Canada Health Act, here is evidence that you can, as long as your model is not allowing people to jump the queue with a credit card. So even though people will say that's an ideal law, you know, a feature of this, it is actually not. And there's law that protects against it. The cataract expansion is pretty natural in a sense that ophthalmologists providing non-funded services are already well established in the community. Certainly I had the same alternatives available to me when I was a health minister. The Liberal government decided that we should expand access to cataracts, which we did aggressively, within the hospital domain and with the Kensington not-for-profit clinic in Toronto that I imagine quite a few of your listeners have had an opportunity to avail themselves of.
3: Janet Ecker, what is your take on this?
8: I think it's a good move. Obviously, um, the devil will be in the details, like any government. A program It must be executed appropriately, but I think it is time to start moving forward on things that are working in other provinces and other countries. Going around telling Ontarians that they're paying for this great healthcare system. One is COVID proved. It's got a lot of things that need fixing. I mean, it's not a sustainable position. And so what the government is doing is rolling out a program that is going to help in part. I mean, this is only part of what they're doing and what they need to do uh, in terms of some of the backlogs. And there are 900 independent health facilities out there now, nonprofit and profit um they're all regulated under the independent health facilities legislation the doctors and nurses in those clinics are regulated under the college of nurses and the college of physicians and so this isn't some big plot uh to turn the system into some private sector system it isn't ontarians don't want that the government doesn't want that we're going to continue to pay with our OHIP card as we should for insured services um and and i think it's a good move so hopefully It'll get rolled out well and rolled out appropriately, and it can help ease some of the pressure uh, off our hospitals. So that, like, I mean, we've got surgeons who are sitting in hospitals now, um, you know, who uh, can do more surgery, more complicated surgery, if we can get some of the other procedures like cataract uh, and some of the things that have been mentioned uh, into a clinic setting where they can be done safely and with good quality care.
3: Peggy Nash, yesterday Marit Stiles, the Ontario NDP leader, said that uh, history shows us that uh, uh, adding services like this increases wait times and doesn't cut them back. And also there's a big caution on the cannibalizing of staff.
9: There is no question that people are frustrated beyond belief with the current situation in our health care. The wait times today are ridiculous. Anybody who has had to suffer through these horrendous emergency room waits, it's its really completely unacceptable. You know, if somebody's desperate to get a cataract operation, I can see they're saying, listen, I don't care where I get it. I just want to get it. And if my OHIP card pays for it, I'm happy with that. But let me just offer another scenario. If these private clinics offer other services where you can pay additional money uh, for, for, for different kinds of treatments. And let's say I'm an ophthalmologist, and yes, I could, or, or I'm a, a surgeon of different kinds, I can I can stay in the public system, but I can make more money if I go into, yes, doing some publicly covered services, but doing these additional services. Do we run the risk of losing some of our, our key people, our top people, because they are attracted to, uh, frankly, a more lucrative
1: payment system, Peggy Nash, former NDP MPP, Janet Ecker, former Ontario PC Cabinet Minister, and George Smitherman, former Ontario Liberal Health Minister. Fight Back's Recovering Politicians panel. This is Zoomer Radio's best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Now for something completely different and an experience Torontonians and visitors to Toronto all share. And that is traffic congestion. Last week, we learned Toronto is one of the most congested cities in the world, with people sitting in traffic an average of 118 hours a year. In fact, Toronto ranked 7th worst in the world and 3rd worst in North America. Now, the City of Toronto has come up with a top 10 list related to our traffic, the top 10 most congested intersections. Libby was joined on Wednesday by Roger Brown, Director of Traffic Management in Transportation Services at the City of Toronto.
10: We at the City of Toronto have been tracking um, the levels of congestion through a number of data sources that we kind of already have. Um, we have a contract with a company called Here Data, which basically gets anonymous probe-based data. We get data from our partners at Waze. We, quite frankly, even our traffic signals have traffic sensors on them that basically detect uh, vehicles going by. And so we're getting volumes uh, of traffic from that information. And even our watcher speed signs, as part of the Vision Zero safety plan, um, those actually log data information as well, too. So we have a tremendous wealth of data that we basically put it all together using some sort of big data technology to kind of build a bit of a mosaic of what's really going in and on and around the city. And and we started doing this just before the pandemic, using some historic data to get some references beforehand. But we've basically been tracking it all the way through. So we have a really, really good understanding of where the hotspots are and where we really need to target our efforts.
3: Okay, so I'm looking at the list. Uh, the most congested is Lakeshore Boulevard East and Lower yes. Sherburn, <laughs> And it, uh, is that where people get on to uh, the Gardener?
10: Yeah, it's in that area. And, and quite frankly, if you look down, it's the one comment I was going to make. When you look at a number of these locations, it, it comes as no surprise in that these are locations that um, have an incredible amount of construction going on, um, specifically the Lakeshore-Laura-Jarvis area, lakeshore laura um, and quite frankly, we're going to see more with the Ontario line. Um, likewise, for folks who've driven up around the Finch and 400 area, uh, you know, right around the, the ramps uh, whatnot, again, incredible amount of uh, construction closures going on there, specifically tied back to the transit initiatives that Metrolinks is doing. Um but I think that's, that's really the kind of backdrop narrative to um, these locations, to be uh, quite frank with you. If you had asked me the reasons for congestion before in the past, I, there's a whole bunch of different reasons, contributing factors. But right now here in the city of Toronto, the big overarching thing really is the construction uh, that's having this this significant impact.
3: Okay, you know what? I'm very glad to have you say that. Because often when, when I talk to people about, well, what about all this construction, they say, oh, it's not a factor. There are whatever, too many cars on the road, but it, it is. So I'm very glad to have you uh, say that. What about in terms of, you know, limiting the construction closers?
5: Yeah,
10: again, uh, to, to the, the number one thing that we do whenever any request comes across my desk, my team's desk, to basically review whether or not we would allow a uh, construction closure is to make sure that it is critically needed, um, especially at this point in time where there's just so much going on. We really have to make sure that it's only the, the, the must-dos that we're basically giving uh, permission to proceed ahead. and. That's really one of the key cornerstones of one of the parts of our Move TO congestion management plan, which is this whole idea of construction hubs. We piloted this up in uh, the Young and Edmonton area, and we've actually now expanded it to a number of other locations within the city as well, too. And in fact, if you look on the map where we have these construction hubs, they very closely follow the new Ontario line, like along Lakeshore. And then when we have what we call the downtown hub, which basically runs along Queen Street. Um, and that, there's no uh, surprise or mistake there. That was very much deliberate that, you know, in these neighborhoods where we see so much construction going on, that we really, really need to ramp up our efforts in terms of managing that whole process. And to your point, making sure that we're not just saying yes to everybody who comes along. Quite frankly, we're giving out a lot of no's um, and really, really only allowing the very, very critical construction work to proceed ahead.
1: Roger Brown, Director of Traffic Management in Transportation Services at the City of Toronto. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back knockout call of the week.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane
1: Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Jim in Lindsay phoned with a question about Premier Ford's plan to move some procedures and surgeries into private clinics.
11: I don't know if he realizes in his group of people now after you have a knee replacement you're in the hospital for a couple of days because you go and get exercise and get to, uh use your legs and everything afterwards right now does a private clinic have those facilities that they can keep you for three or four days and get you moving again that's number 1 number 2 Cataracts. I've had cataract replacements uh, are done, and uh, the optometrist uh, he wanted to send me to, say, a private clinic, and it was a year's waiting time. And I lived in Willowdale, and I said to him, I said, "Well, there's a guy he's excellent up in Newmarket. Make an appointment for there." Well, I guess he didn't know the geographics of the territory. He says, "Well, that's pretty far away." Well, living at uh, you know Finch Avenue, <laughs> it's pretty fast getting up to Aurora. I went up there within three weeks and had the cataracts done up in New Market.
1: Sita in Mississauga also called during this segment. It is a great way to reduce waiting time since we don't have to
9: pay out of pocket for certain surgery. My husband would have to wait two years to get his cataract surgery. So he went to the hospital, he would have to wait for that. But went to a private clinic and we paid and is surgeries already done within months. So they're a great service.
3: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This already happens.
9: It is already happening. It so is... why not reduce the waiting time and the pressure on the hospital? And they are not going to be taking away doctors and nurses because they're already
1: fully staffed. John in Peterborough phoned to say he doesn't like the plan.
10: I'm not in favor of this privatization at all. When you start privatizing things, then you say, they self-govern, please, please. They're all buddies. No, that's out of the question. And you, you again, I heard you say about these, uh, the nursing homes, do you think that they actually get the very best in the biggest paying? I can show you instances
5: of not.
0: And now,
1: Fight Back's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week is Jodi in Toronto, who says she's willing to give the idea of some public health care in private clinics a chance. The bottom line is we
9: cannot continue the way we are. Even before the pandemic, Canadians and we in Ontario were not getting adequate or acceptable uh, medical care. Even with the pandemic, uh, decrease in uh, spending and this and that and whatever, we're still not getting the health care that we need. We have to do something, Libby. We have to do something. We can't go on the way we are.
1: That does it for today's best of fight back on Zoomer radio. If you'd like to qualify for the fight back knockout call of the week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightback Libby and call our fight back voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of The Best of Fight Back.
0: The Best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Paddy, with technical production by Kelly Robotham, executive producer Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.